Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Ben Trueblood. Hey, good to see you. It's good to see you <laughs> as well, live and in person. Yes. Have we done this before? Uh, a long time ago, maybe towards the beginning like four hundred of the 5LQ. Wow. It's been a long time. It has been. How often do people make fun of your last name? Because, um, I mean, people make fun of my last name all the time, but it's, it has to do with a diet. At least yours is... It happens pretty frequently. Cool. The one I get most often is uh, related to the Vampire yeah. HBO show. Which is, I mean, it, van- at least being associated with vampires is cooler than yeah. so I get all-protein diet. Yeah, so I get that quite a bit, and I've gotten mail to... Been true love and truckload and like I, I've got, <laughs> I get mail at the house to different names. All, so, you know, you just roll with it. That's awesome. And then McConnell people just probably. I'm sorry. We also have Scott McConnell on the podcast. Ben Trueblood uh, is a director of students here at Lifeway, uh, as well as um, an author of Within Reach and couple other things but within reach is what we're talking about today and the reason why we have scott here of course is because we're talking about research and Woo-hoo. yes research in particular with students and student ministry so whether you're a parent a pastor or student pastor or you once were a student this is all for you <laughs> yeah that co- that covers the board right there okay mcconnell yes do people ever make fun of your last name uh they just say mcdonald's oh okay yeah. Which, know which way back on the Isle speak. of Skye, yeah. they were the same clan. Really? Huh. Which, which I think it's okay to say clan when it's in Scotland. Yes. Just be sh- just check on what you're wearing. Make sure you're wearing pants. And you're okay. I've actually... <laughs> <Clan>. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting weird. It's, no. Well, <laughs> it's student ministry research. What do you expect? <laughs> I we love We're talking it. about camp. I was <laughs> talking about camps today... Uh, I had to go into Facebook, and I really did have to go into Facebook. And when I did, I saw, you know, like 50-some notifications because I hadn't been on there for a while. And the very first thing that popped up was people that I went to camp with when I was in high school. Wow. Uh, And, you know, I was tagged along with like 20 other people, and they were talking about they had just taken their kid to camp. Wow. And, hey, you know, I remember meeting all you people. Yeah. At, at camp. Tis the season. Oh at at the time goodness. of this recording, anyway, we are, camps are coming off the road and. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, if I look back, I, Ben, I don't know if we've had this conversation or not, but between going to camp and working camps, I spent over a year of my life. Wow. Cumulative days. Cumulative days. Yes. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. You could call it that. <laughs> glutton for punishment. And but. you age, it's like, no, I wouldn't say as much as dog years, but you, you spend that much time in camp. Yeah. And you, it, it ages you faster than just one year at a time. It does. It's like 18-hour days for it's crazy weeks, Yeah, a 12-week sprint. There's probably student pastors listening to this who are remembering their week of camp this summer being like, man... I'm still tired from that. Well, I hope there are people that are listening to this that remember camp, period. And although this isn't about camps, um, I would push for camp. Because if you look at VBS or camp, 
which we've talked about VBS recently too, like pivotable, pivot, pivot, pivotable. I added an extra syllable there. <laughs> nice. Did you see what I did there? It's, it's really a very southern pivotal. thing to add. Syllables. Oh, it's. Yes. I mean, it's even more pivotal when you add that extra syllable. Uh, life changing moments, at least for me, happen yeah. at camp. And I actually, you know, talked a little bit about my testimony before we got on air. Um, but the interesting thing for me is my senior year, my last year of camp, is what completely changed me mm. as a human being. Uh, and there was that was a life-changing moment where I was not the same after that. Like yeah. I went back and got different got different friends, broke up with my girlfriend, the whole nine. And uh, that was a, a pivotal changing point for me. So uh, I thoroughly believe in student ministry. I was a student pastor myself uh, at one point in time. And God bless you guys for continuing to do that. I figured out um, fairly after, you know, five years or so, I'm like, man, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and I want to do, uh, I want to focus really more on leadership. So ended up moving in that that way. But today we are here to talk about um, student ministry. And so, Ben, you wrote a book called Within Reach. Uh, just tell us a little bit about what that is because, the research we're going to break down for the rest of the podcast ties into that book. Yeah. So the book is called Within Reach, and I'll give you the subtitle too, The Power of Small Changes in Keeping Students Connected. And the reason why I, I think that subtitle along with the main title is important is because it, it really encapsulates what we found in the research. Uh, the research, and I'll, I'll let Scott talk more into the detail, but we wanted to take another look. It had been just over a decade since the original Are Our High School Students Who Are Active in the Church Staying Connected to the Church in College study was done. And we wanted to redo that and see where we'd come in the, in the last 11 years and how far, what kind of progress we've made in student ministry and keeping students connected. And one of the one of the encouraging, there, you know, there certainly are, Scott, there are some things in there that weren't encouraging. Definitely not. But one of the things that was is that we saw it doesn't it doesn't take a full scale revamping of student ministry and the church to address this issue that it really does take small changes, tweaks along the way and like hope in affecting this number is within reach for the church. It's we, we aren't in this sky is falling, all of our students are leaving the church, there's nothing we can do about it moment. There actually are pretty clear things that we can do to help keep students connected to the church and build lifelong faith is something we talk about throughout the book. Good deal. Well, I know um, most of our listeners are going to want to hear what are those things? What are those things that we can key on and have that effect. But before we do, uh, I want to ask Scott, what are some of the surprising things that we found in this research? Starting with the surprises. All right. Surprising things. <laughs> um, w one of the things that maybe it shouldn't have been surprising, but whenever in research we see movement, you know, from from a previous survey to right. a new survey, that that jumps out at us, and and honestly, one of the reasons that young adults drop out of church, uh, and we should probably give the number about sixty six percent of young adults who attended a Protestant church for at least a year in high school, 
step away from church for at mm-hmm. least a year between ages 18 to 22. Among those who drop out, one of the reasons that jumped the, high, the most uh, from 10 years ago to now is uh, the politics in the church. And we're not talking about church on, you know, ideas of what color to have the carpet. Right. But, but like political views being voiced in the church that mm. the student didn't agree with. Right. And, uh, you know, that that's a very specific thing, uh, you know, compared to to ideologically, you know, what are our beliefs about God or, or our mm. denomination compared to another, or are we loving each other? You know, it's, it's politics and how is that intersected with the church? And, you know, to me, the two takeaways on that are, you know, churches need to be talking about life issues. Uh, young people need to understand that God is a God who cares about what we're going through right now. And that's the problems of our society. And, and so that is going to touch politics. But when we talk about actual politics, about whether you're on the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle, uh, you know, those are things that are secondary. And too many students are walking out of church thinking that's the most important thing to us as church members instead of following Christ is the most important thing. And which method we get to solve our nation's problems uh, is, is, should be way down the list. Mm. We, uh, that was surprising to me too. And in the book we talk, and when I've trained student pastors on this and had conversations with them, one of the main things we point to is the reality of a teenager at this. I mean, think back to your teenage years, you're forming your worldview during those, those years, whatever that worldview is going to end up being, those years are very formative in how you, in the filter by which you see the world. And so in that moment, uh, a teenager's worldview is probably going to shift and change. And they're going to have a teacher that exposes them to some idea. And they're going to think through that. They're going to have a pastor or a youth pastor that exposes them to some idea. They're going to get something from their home. And they're in this swirl of ideas. Their worldview is probably going to shift around throughout the course of the time while they're in high school. And if in those moments, the church leadership is hitting hard on a, a, a political party or promoting politics from the right. church's platform. If those things are different than the swirling worldview gumbo that a teenager right. is trying to solidify, then that's going to have an adverse effect on their relationship with the church. Because here, these people that I respect are espousing these ideas that I'm not lining up with in my mind. So the action step there is let's be careful as church leaders on embracing a certain system or person or political viewpoint and instead teach a teenager how to see the world from a biblical standpoint and how to sit with their Bible and discover for themselves what they think and how to believe. So instead of saying again, here's what you need to believe. Let's teach them how to construct their own world viewpoint, of course, with the Bible at the very center of that. It's, uh, I think what we have to consider is the sensitivity of teenagers today with, in relation to the weaponization of faith. 
So whereas, you know, if you roll back 20 years, somebody might say, oh, well, that's not those those two things are very distinctly different. And I can kind of put this, you know, I, I can compartmentalize this for myself. I think today's teenager would see a lot more correlation like from a espousing a biblical worldview is one thing and talking about, you know, the right to life or let's use that as an example. It is yes, this we're going to address this biblically. We're not going to address it politically. Because as soon as we do, it will be seen as weapon the weaponization of faith. Um, I just, it's, for me, coming from, you know, D.C. for 10 years, we were as agnostic as possible on a, from a political standpoint, simply because we had people from both sides of the aisle. Right. And both were good and godly people. Um, and both might have personal beliefs that was different than a party belief. Um, but, you know, it was, it was making sure that we didn't, we were not seen at all in one camp or another camp or. Yeah. And I think that's important just for like, if we step away and say, what would be the goal of even discipling a person, right? It wouldn't be, I want this person to adhere to this certain theological system or political system or church government view. Like it's not any of that. It's we want this person to think biblically and then go teach someone else to think biblically right? all the way from leading them to Christ to, right. you know, to the reproduction. But so that it's no different with students. We want them to think biblically. And I think as we do that, they'll think biblically both in their house and in their school and someday in the public square mm-hmm. without having to weaponize, so to speak, to use right. your, to use your word, their faith as they think biblically, they will just see, at least in my opinion, they will see those kinds of issues right to life through the biblical filter and also realize their responsibility to, to take a stand on that and right. to be part of the public square in graciously conversing about these ideas. And I think that's, that's one example. Uh, you know, a, a related example is you know, how many young people who are stepping away from church feel like people in the church are hip- hypocritical or judgmental. And really the judgmental piece kind of overlaps. You right. know, okay, I just heard you mention to somebody else, I can't believe anybody would ever vote for somebody in that party. Uh, well, you know, that's the way I'm thinking. You know, as a young person, I'm thinking that direction. You just labeled me um, and, 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 and maybe even you'd say, I can't believe how a Christian would vote that way. Well, that's where my thoughts are. And now you're calling me not a Christian. Um, right. Well, you know, switch to something other than politics. Uh, you, you know, a young person is, you know, dressing a certain way. They're, uh, they're identifying with a certain group. They're, they're you know, a vegetarian this week. They, they're doing something weird with their hair. They got a piercing. They've got, you know, they're making choices. They're trying things out. They're figuring out who they are and their identity. And when, when, when there's a quick statement from a church member, uh, about the way they dress, about the way they're, you know, something they're choosing. Um, again, a lot of times those are really secondary issues right. that those young people are processing. And, and when, when they're sensing that 
that people in church are judgmental instead of loving, instead of just asking, you know, well, why did you want to get that piercing? Right. Why, what, you know, what, what were you hope, hoping to do there? Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and really kind of say, you know, trying to understand the young person and, and know them as a person right. uh, rather than looking down on an action or a point of view that they're re- oftentimes just trying out. Yeah. Yeah. What would be fascinating to me would be to go back 20, 30 years and look at the word evangelical. Because I think even the word evangelical now from a society standpoint is probably more associated as a political term than a religious term. Would you agree or no? That's an interesting question. I think. Because evangelical is really about being, you know. It, it is tie, should be tied to evangelism. It should be tied to Protestantism. Should be tied to some of these things, but yet it is probably tied more to politics and a voting block. I think in our day to day that I don't disagree with that right off. I think it's an interesting thing to ponder because I think the voting block piece of it is probably what leads people to associate. Oh, those are, you know, when they think, hear the word evangelical, oh, those are, and then there's a category for them based on either political support or viewpoint, at least in our culture today. Right, right, right. I would just be curious about how that ties into into all this, but we're gone far enough into that one, I think. (laughs) We surveyed Protestants, so we were were also including Mainline in, in, in this survey, and, uh, well, yes, that, we could do a whole podcast on that topic. We probably could. All right, why don't you, uh, any more surprises that came up? I, I mean, those were a couple of the biggies in terms of movement. I, I, I don't think it surprises people. I, I think most people guess that even even adults uh, who step away from church or have a cynical view of church think about the hypocrisy or, or judgmentalness of, of those of us who attend. Um, and, and so those are definitely present. But those were a couple of the biggies that, that jumped out at me. Yeah, I'll tell you one that... And this is actually the number one reason why people dropped out. And that this one, it was, it was surprising to me. It was, I moved to college and stopped attending. So like the number one reason, and then there was, a, there was another one further down on the list. So that one was at 34%. And the other one was at 22% as I'm, I, I moved too far away from the church to continue attending. So those two, I mean, 122% and 134%, they're pretty high on the list. So it wasn't, we're not in large part, we're not talking about a group, a group of people who premeditated. I'm going to drop out of this place as soon as I graduate because I hate my youth pastor and hate God. And we're not talking about a group of people who, start partying their brains out and fall out of the church. And we're not talking about a group of people who a atheist professor convinces them that everything they've heard is wrong. Now, certainly there are instances where maybe those things happen, but in large part, we're talking about a group of people who just moved away. They had a chain, a significant transition point in their life and they stopped attending church. And so that's surprising to me, but it's also to me more dangerous than actually the atheist professor or the partying or the hatred of church. Because what it shows is that we had 
high school students active in our churches in their high school years and left without any kind of understanding about what being a part of the body of Christ right. looks like. And it means they landed in a new situation of life and there was no pull to be a part of a local church body and an understanding of, Hey, I need the church and the church also needs me. So I need to find a place to plug in. It's, it's, it really is like, they saw church as an address and a building and an activity. And once they moved too far away from it to get there in, on Sunday morning, it dropped off the radar as something important enough for in their life to be, to be involved in. And to me, that's more scary because it means we're not teaching young people what it means to be truly connected to a local body of believers called the church. It's almost like at, when we think of those literal moves, uh, that they're packing things up. And, and when most of us move, we go and we unpack most of our stuff. Mm. And some of it stays packed, stays in boxes in the garage or somewhere else. And it just never gets unpacked. We go to move the next time and there's still that box there and goes, oh, that meant something <laughs> to me at some point in yeah. my life. And, and, that, and for many of these young people, churches like that, it never gets unpacked when they show up at the new place at college, somewhere else across town. And when they unpack their life, and which really they're starting fresh. I mean, everything they knew as a young person changes uh, upon graduation. Yeah. And so as they, as they start that new life, church just doesn't get unpacked for a, a lot of these young people. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it, it sounds like it's a an decision. Uh, I mean, whether you go or not is a decision. It sounds like they weren't even making that decision. They were just drifting, just yeah. drifting away. Yeah. So we record this podcast in Nashville and Chattanooga is a few hours away. And so the literal representation is you move two hours away, two and a half hours away, and you go, man, I can't drive two and a half hours home every week to go to church, so I'm just not going to go. Hmm. Like that's a, so wherever you live, how far would you be willing to drive on a Sunday morning? And like, that's a, a pretty literal representation of what the decision-making that goes through at least... 22% of their minds for I moved too far away from church. But to be fully connecting in, in that young person's mind that being a connected part of a local church is, is part of my walk with God. Yeah, that's right. And, and so therefore when I'm in a new location, praise God, there's other believers in this area I can connect with. Let's find them. Yeah. And, it's what's fascinating to me is if you look at the the factors. Let's let's talk about next. Uh, this isn't a question. This just is a, I don't know, a statement. Let's talk about the factors that contribute to continued regular attendance in church. So I find that the number one thing here is church was a vital part of my relationship with God. That the church was essential. They, they connected those two things together. Yeah. I, the number one indicator of a person staying connected to the church in college, and you'll, I think you'll find this really interesting because of all your work with Leadership Pipeline. So here, 
here's where if we want practical application from the research, the, here here is the softball. You folks softball. need yourself a pipeline. Here's the softball for <laughs> you. But we found the number one indicator of students staying connected to the church and college is when they could identify three spiritual mentors during their time in the church as a high school student, they were three times more likely to stay connected to the church and college. Mm. So I'll say it again, when they could identify three spiritual mentors or more during their time in high school, they were three times more likely to stay connected to the church and college. So it is like, it truly is a softball to student pastors to say, if you ever wondered why multiplying yourself into leaders who disciple and spend time building relationships with teenagers, it's that it's the number one thing that helps them build lifelong faith. And, and, the way we worded it, it wasn't even formal mentorship, but it's that idea of just investing in a young yeah. person. Oh, totally. And, and so, you know, honestly, that 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 should be the priority for for a student leader. But then it doesn't let the rest of us adult church attendees off the hook. It's like, no. oh, a young person sits near you in church, take an interest in their life, talk to them every week. Yeah. Um, you know, the families you know in church who have teenagers. Right. Talk to those teenagers, invest in them, tell them you yeah. care about that new job they got. Right. So most people, most people, when, you know, you talk to them about discipleship even will be like, well, nobody ever did that. Nobody ever, ever did that for me. And yeah. well, they think of discipleship as this grandiose one-on-one -on -one relationship where, you know, we uh, meet before sunrise and walk through something and I have to be so much further along you know, I have to be an old person or I have to be just fill in the blank there. What we're talking about here is just a relational investment, just caring about that person. So a lot of times we'll be taken aback because we'll, we'll think, oh, I, 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 I don't have enough chemistry with this person or I don't have chemistry with students. And I would say, no, no, no. Your care will overcome a lack of chemistry. Your yeah. care of that person's life will overcome a lack of chemistry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I'll say this all the time when we're talking about Leadership Pipeline. I'm the result of good and godly people in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, who couldn't ask me a good coaching question to save their life. They were farmers. They were factory workers. They weren't, you know, terribly well educated, but they were good and godly people who were walking me through some scope and sequence type of thing yeah. that set up the questions well. They were perfectly capable of having that conversation that led to a transformation in my life. It was them being faithful in that, them being faithful in asking me some of those questions and caring enough to do so. It, it, that's what it is. It wasn't like some grand, you know, plan. It was pretty simple, pretty basic, done over. It was carrying over the course of time that led to that. That if, And most of us, I would say, that are listening. We can look back in our lives and tell you the two or three people 
that really had an impact on us. Yeah. And maybe some of those are pastors, but for me, a lot weren't. Yeah, A lot were good and godly, normal people that just happened to be a step or two ahead of me or were my parents' age, but I wasn't going to listen to my parents, but I'll, you know— I'll, I'll, this person that cares enough for me is, is going to have a massive effect on my life. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it's a caring, godly, biblically centered relationship where, you know, where they're actually interested in, in the life of a teenager. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen a lot in our culture today. I think there's a lot of dismissiveness towards, uh, towards teenagers. And there's a lot of, uh, generational dismissiveness where, oh, that's that generation. They don't care about anything. They just want to play Fortnite all the time and, you know, whatever it is, right? Right. But to your point about the, you know, just talk to them about the piercing. Like just, they just want somebody to show an interest in what they're into and you don't have to be interested in it, but you have to be interested in them and then have the Bible at the center of that and, it's a pretty simple formula. Right. But it's so, so impactful. So good. All right. What else would you say? Um, what are some of those things we we said early on we would talk about? What are some of those shifts that you can make that will actually lead to people staying connected? Yeah. So I'll mention one, Scott. We uh, Since we talked about the adult spiritual mentors and in student ministry, we all, all the time, we talk about the parents are the primary discipler of their kids, which we believe. And I hold that. I mean, that's biblically true. Spiritual mentors from the church are also very important, but we did see the parent component come up in this, in the top 10 reasons why they stay or leave. We Parents uh, filled in numbers seven, eight, and nine. So parents genuinely liking church, parents wanting their student to, their teenager to attend church, and fathers specifically attending church were all in the top 10 reasons why a, a teenager stays connected once they go to college. So the, the spiritual mentor piece is huge, but it doesn't leave behind the importance of ministering to parents and the role that parents have in influencing lifelong faith in the home. So I found it interesting that parents showed up in three different wordings and especially with fathers being called out specifically when a father attended church, the person was more likely to stay connected in college. Students are amazingly good at at, at sniffing out things, oh. things that are not genuine. And so when their parents are faking it because they think they can get some business contacts at church or, you know, or they hear one thing at home and they're like, there's no way anybody else believes this. You know, when they start to see consistency of their parents believe this, the parents value the relationships at church, when they start seeing those other adults in church investing in their life, saying the same things from scripture, they start going, oh, there's a consistency here. Mm -hmm. These people aren't faking it. This is real. And, you know, that's not something that, you know, we all learn the one-liners and we got it. No, we've got to live that out. And in in homes, and, and again, these are not... 
really high thresholds of of how holy this family is. We're talking about liking church, right, <laughs> and showing up. You know, it, it's <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, you don't even have to be involved. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's seeing the value, and when well. when they go, you know, our, our family values church, and. Yeah, that that's actually right. has an impact. Yeah, and we we all along those same lines, we also saw that twenty seven percent of these students said that they had spiritual conversations in the home, which is a which is a, on the low side of that. So three out of the ten are indicate are parent related indicators of somebody staying connected to the church. Yet only twenty seven percent of these teenagers who were active in the church during high school indicated that they had spiritual conversations in the home. So one of the quickest ways to influence this and another one of those small, powerful changes is equip parents to have a spiritual conversation in their home with their children. As a church, let's like, let's strategically talk about how we're going to equip parents to have that spiritual conversation. What else would you pull out, Scott? Is there anything? You know, when, it, when it, we're, we're thinking about the choice a young person's making, it really is a choice. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, God's given us free will. They can they, they can stay. They can go. Uh, one of the biggest predictors. Did you sing, should I stay or should I go? When we think about that, one of the other big predictors of them staying in church is if there's actually a pattern earlier in their life of them choosing to follow, follow God. And and we see that in them choosing to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we think of, of, of the different things we could teach a young person, you know, a lot of times we're thinking of knowledge that we could put in, you know, in, inside of them. But really one of the, one of the, one of the best things we can show them is to get them to fall in love with God's word and, and to really want to know, well, what else has he shared with me? What else has God shared with us about who he is, what this relationship's like? And when they fall in love with knowing just a little more, a little more, a little more, and they get into reading on their own, and of course today we can hit the play button so you can listen on your own. Right. Um, you, that's actually a great indicator hmm. that they get what this relationship with God's about and that we do it in community and they'll want to stay in that community. You've probably heard about the movie Overcomer, but you may not know that there are a few books and Bible studies inspired by the film. One is called Define by Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick, which is a book and Bible study based on insights from the book of Ephesians. You can find these books and Bible studies at lifeway.com overcomer. Okay, I have one last question. This question is for Ben. Practically speaking, if I'm uh, a student pastor listening to this, um, or if I'm a parent listening to this, I'll, I'll, I'll have you, this is really like six questions. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have 11 LQ 11 today. 11 LQ. <laughs> no, what, okay, so what can the pastor and the parent do over the next week with this? Like what's a practical thing they could do? What's a practical thing they could do this fall and then over the next year? Yeah, so really practically something a pastor can do is pour their lives into people who are going to pour their lives into other people. Recruit volunteers, train those volunteers, unleash them into the lives of teenagers. 
something really practical a pastor can do. Um, something practical a parent can do uh, is very simply watch the way you talk about church when you get in the car and drive to or get in the car and drive away. Because what we saw is when parents genuinely like church, they're more likely to be connected to the church in college. And what we saw from the survey, I think it was, this is one I don't remember right off the top of my head, so I apologize. But I think it said 49% said that their parents genuinely liked church. You said that with authority, so, so it's got to be close. We'll go with that. Uh, but it, so half, right, of these kids who are active in the church say, yeah, I'm not sure my parents like this place. So very practically for a parent, choose to love your church. Choose to attend. Choose to make it a priority. Choose to be involved there. And model for your kids the lifelong faith that you actually want them to have fast forward five years from where they are right now. So that would be those two. And uh, what was the other? It was pastors, parents. No, it was pastors and parents this week, uh, this fall, and in a year from now. This but you fall. you kind of just lumped all those things yeah. together. So This fall, I, I mean— this fall and a year from now, I think you mentioned following some type of scope and sequence. Right. So to tie that back to the leaders, training, recruiting, and letting loose is just the start. You've got to walk with them along the way right. and continually train them for them to be as effective as they will be in in the role that you've placed them in. So I think the training component of that is absolutely essential. Right. To, uh, to them progressing um, and pouring their lives into, into a group of teenagers. Uh, and as a parent for the next year, I mean, have, like think through some strategic things that you can do with your kids. Is it, man, once a month, I'm going to take my son out on a Saturday morning and we're going to go have breakfast together and we're just going to talk without TV on and without devices in our hands. And we're just going to hang out. And it might be weird in the beginning, but after 12 months of doing that, what kind of conversations could there be? I think sometimes parents, when they think about discipleship, and I have a teenager now in my home, so I'm thinking about this way differently than as a student pastor right. 14 years ago, Right. And I think a lot of parents get stuck in the, man, I haven't spiritually invested in my kids the way I should because I haven't just known how. And so they get stuck in inaction and decision because they're embarrassed because they haven't done it. And they're embarrassed because no one discipled them and they don't really know how. But I would say just start, start with something, start with a conversation on the way to a ball practice, start with one Saturday morning of breakfast a, a month and see what that builds into over the course of time. Good deal. And fall's a great time to connect. And, you know, church is getting back into full swing and it's a great time for parents to just look at the calendar and say, what looks like the big connecting events? Let's make sure that our calendar's clear and that the students in our family can right. be there because, 
you know, some of those, you know, lock-in weekends, those camp weeks, those those special times to connect with each other. If your student misses those, it can be really hard to make the deeper well, connections with other mm-hmm. students. And we've talked about modeling a lot here. And what you can effectively do right now is make choices for your student that they are going to make those choices later on, but you can model the way to make the choices. This We are coming into a busy season, and it's busier than ever. They have more choices than ever. So there's going to be times where you're going to have to choose whether to go to church or whether to go to the lake or go to the church or go to this, you know, optional game or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, trying to make anybody feel guilty uh, for not being at church every single Sunday, but I'm saying there's going to be pivotal moments where your, your, your children see you making church a priority. If you make those choices now, I think they are much likely, more likely to make those choices in a similar fashion later on. Yeah. And a great way to model that That church is a priority, even in a situation where you have a kid that plays travel volleyball and there's one season of the year where you guys are going to be gone. What does it look like for you to have a Bible study with your your kid and make it open to the other families that are going to be there? And if you're unsure how to do that, talk to your youth pastor or pastor and say, hey, I would like to take advantage of these moments that I'm going to be with this team during this season, can you equip me to do that? And I think most pastors and youth pastors would be really excited to equip you to be a missionary in that moment. Absolutely. And that's an example of taking a a choice that seems like a win or lose situation. And that's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. In in every way, shape, and form. So thank you guys so much for uh, listening and thank you guys for bringing us a lot of great research today. Again, that book is Within Reach by Ben Trueblood. And you can, of course, go to lifewayresearch.com. And man, just type something in the search engine on your lunch break and uh, consume like crazy. Uh, Not just consume, but do something with it. There's so many great pieces of information there that you can find. And you can go to Lifeway Research and take a look at the Young Adult Dropout Report from Uh, the last year or two. And um, guys, thank you so much for listening and see you next time.